We're going to continue our series on the Gospel of Matthew. Currently, we're going through the entire Gospel of the book of Matthew. We're going verse by verse. And in this Gospel, there's an overarching message that Matthew is telling us. And that message is here on this banner behind me, that Christ is King. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and He is ruling over all things presently. Amen. And so currently we're in chapter 5, Matthew 5-7, through is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Now if you've been here over the last few months, you know the context behind the Sermon on the Mount, but for those of you who it's your first time here, maybe today is your first time in church. Matthew 5-7 through is Jesus' sermon to His disciples, to His followers, to those that are in Christ. And what Jesus is doing in this sermon on this mountainside is He is letting His followers know what the life of a Christian is to look like. What it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ is our King, and so here He's giving us the blueprint for life in the kingdom. And over the last few weeks, what we've been looking at is Jesus rebuking the Jewish leaders of the day who had perverted the Mosaic Law. And He's giving us the correct teaching on the law and how we are to rightly apply it in our lives. And so over the last few weeks, we've looked at Jesus correcting the Jewish leaders' teaching on anger, on lust, and last week we looked at marriage and divorce. And if you weren't here last week, I I highly encourage you to go back and listen to Pastor Matt's teaching on marriage and divorce. And so it's important to highlight as we come to these texts where Jesus is rebuking the Jewish leaders to remind ourselves that He's not rebuking the Mosaic Law. He's rebuking the perversion of the law that the Jewish leaders were teaching. And we we know this because in Matthew 5, the same chapter, right before Jesus gets to this section of His sermon where He's rebuking their teaching on the law, He says in Matthew 5.17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So Jesus knew what the tendency would be of those who were hearing the sermon at the time, and for us who are now reading it, that we would read it and think, well, Jesus is he's doing away with the law of Moses. He's saying, you have heard that it was said this in the law, but I am teaching you this. Before he gets to that, he lets them know, don't even think that I have come to abolish the Mosaic law. I have actually come to fulfill it or to bring it into full force. And so this morning, we're going to look at the fourth portion of this sermon where Jesus is rebuking the Jewish leaders And we're going to be in verses 33 through 37 in Matthew chapter 5. And in this portion of the text, Jesus is going to be teaching on oaths and keeping your word. 
Now, most of you probably have never heard a sermon on this text before. And this is the beauty of going through books of the Bible verse by verse expositionally here at Destiny. We don't leave any verse unturned. We go through all Scripture here at Destiny Church because we believe what Paul says in 2 Timothy that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, for teaching that we may be trained in righteousness. And so when it comes to a passage like this, you may think, well, oaths and vows, what does this have to do with me? We can just skip over this. No, we're going to go deep into this passage today and see what Jesus is communicating to his followers. And over the next few weeks, if you just look at the header of your Bible, the different headers of these passages. Today we're looking at oaths, next week retaliation, the following week love your enemies. Jesus here, he's really focused on our relationships with each other. Now yes, the Christian life, it's important to have our vertical relationship with us and God, but that vertical relationship should then spill into our horizontal relationships that we have with one another. That is equally as important. And so Jesus is going to spend the next few verses, the remainder of this chapter, looking at our relationships with one another. And so let's go ahead and read our text today, starting in verse 33 of Matthew 5. Jesus says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Father, we pray that you would bless this time. God, of sitting under the teaching of your word. Lord, I pray right now that you would soften our hearts to receive what you have for us. Lord, that we would hear the very words of God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the fact that Jesus is bringing this portion of the law up in this segment here it lets us know that there has been some sort of perversion that the Jewish rabbis were teaching. So first I'd like to, to look at what Scripture tells us is an oath. What, what is an oath? We don't really swear by oaths today or make vows today other than, you know, in court or in marriage. We have our marriage vows. But this was a common practice in... Jesus' time. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16, the writer of Hebrews, he says, For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. And so an oath was bringing something greater than yourself, an oath was bringing something more sure than yourself into a promise to show the seriousness of that promise. It was, it was to give that promise or what you were saying, that statement, greater credibility than just 
yourself. And so we see here in the Mosaic Law, there's, there's three different texts that draw out what this oath was and how you were to rightly keep it. And so there's, there's three scriptures in the Mosaic Law in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so I'd like to read those before you, before we go on, so that when Jesus is teaching on the law, you know what the actual law was. And so in Leviticus 19.12, it says, You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Numbers 30, verse 2, it says, If a man vows a vow to the Lord, or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word, he shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Then in Deuteronomy 23, 21, it says, If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin." So you notice the common theme here in these vows that was permissible in the law is that it was sworn by the name of the Lord. And so in, in Jesus' day and in the, in the time of, of Moses and the law, to call on the name of the Lord in a vow was asking God to be a witness of your honesty. But it was also recognizing that if you broke that vow, you were open for judgment by the Lord. And to swear by God's name was to elevate your word to the highest degree. It was to show that you were completely serious. There, there was no lying in you. There was no hint of deceit to swear by God's name. And so it's important for us to realize that making oaths was permitted in the Mosaic Law. In fact, we see examples of this in the Old Testament. In Genesis 24, Abraham makes his servant Eliezer swear an oath before God before he goes to find a wife for Abraham's son Isaac. And the oath was that Eliezer would bring back a wife that was not from Canaan. You see, Canaan at the time was a pagan country full of idolatry and Abraham didn't want his daughter-in-law, to be an idol worshiper. And then in Genesis 31, Jacob and Laban, they call on God to be their witness in a vow that they make between each other. We see this similar wording with David and Jonathan in the covenant that they make with one another. And then God himself, he even swears by his own name in Genesis 22 to reaffirm his commitment with Abraham. And so we see that Making an oath is permissible in the Mosaic Law. And this is important to understand because as we saw in Matthew 5.17, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. And so we'll look at that in a little bit, that Jesus isn't saying that no oath is allowed. It's the specific oath that these Jewish leaders were making at this time. And so what was it that the Jewish leaders had done to pervert the law? You see, what they had done is they had, they had taken the law that says, you shall not swear by my name falsely. And so they said, okay, we can't swear by the name of the Lord falsely, but if we swear by anything else falsely and we break that oath, we're not open to the judgment of God. 
because we're not taking the Lord's name in vain. We're, we're leaving God out of our oaths, therefore anything goes. We can make it with our best intentions, but if we break it, it's not that big of a deal because we haven't sworn by God. And so what this was doing, it was, it was creating a loophole. The Jewish leaders were giving themselves an out if they wanted to go back on their word. They were making oaths, but they were removing the name of the Lord from their oath, thinking that it would allow them to break their promise without being open to the judgment of God. And so Jesus is rightly correcting them on their faulty logic. And oaths were also intended for the most serious of circumstances. They, they weren't just intended for everyday flippant things. You know, I, I swear by heaven, my dear darling wife, that I'll be home before dinner. You know, this wasn't what oaths were intended for, but that is what was happening. Oaths were being made and broken left and right, and so people's words meant nothing. Where an oath was supposed to bring trust, it was actually bringing skepticism because they weren't going through with what they were saying. And so it's this abuse of the law that Jesus is pointing out and correcting. And so Jesus, uh, starting in verse 34 again, looking at it, he says, I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. And so what Jesus is saying here is you're, you're trying to get around having to be completely honest by leaving my name out of your oaths and out of your vows. But what you have failed to realize is that God is in everything. God created all things. You swear by heaven, heaven is God's throne. Heaven is where God resides. So how can you swear by heaven thinking that you're leaving God out of that oath? You swear by the earth. Well, the earth is the Lord's footstool. God created the earth. God is dwelling in and on the earth. You're not getting around God by swearing by the earth. The same with Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city of the king. Jerusalem is the city that God built. And even by your own head. Now this apparently was before Just for Men was a thing where you couldn't change the color of your hair. But even, yes, we could change the color of our hair, but we can't control when it truly changes its color. That is up to God. And some of us are realizing we can't even control when our hair decides to no longer be on our heads. It's God who is sovereign over all things. And that is what Jesus is wanting the Jewish leaders to realize. You're trying to leave God out of your vows, but you fail to recognize that God is in everything. In Matthew 23, when Jesus gives his seven woes to the scribes and Pharisees, a woe being judgment on them, in verse 16 of Matthew 23, he says something similar to them. He says, Woe to you, blind guides! 
who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. I love this passage because there's so many people today that think that Jesus was just this anything goes, all loving, socialistic hippie that accepted everything, just wanted you to be happy, you just take care of your neighbor and everything's fine with me. What we see here is Jesus was very strong in his words. Jesus didn't pull any punches. Here he, he calls the scribes and Pharisees, the scribes who were in charge of making sure they got the law right. Essentially, he's telling them, open your eyes and look at the text. Look at what Moses is saying. These stipulations you're putting in the law isn't anywhere in the Mosaic law. You're only fooling yourselves with the system you've built. And you can see the the faulty logic in it again because Yahweh, God, is Lord over all. There's no getting around him by the way they were making these oaths. All oaths that they were breaking was open for judgment because God is Lord over all. And so Jesus does say in verse 34, do not take an oath at all. And so some people have ripped that phrase and taken it out of its context and just placed it over here by itself. And so there's some sects of religion today that even in court, they won't take an oath. They will affirm their commitment to tell the truth, but they'll stay away from the phrasing of taking an oath because they are trying their best to obey what Jesus says here. But again, all we have to do is go back and read a few verses back where Jesus is saying, I I didn't come to abolish the law. And I've showed you where the law says that it's permissible to take an oath. Jesus wasn't saying any oath ever is off the table. He's saying the specific oaths that you are making, the heart behind the promises that you are making is wrong. It's coming from evil. My followers, my disciples should be of the highest character to where they don't have to swear by anything. You shouldn't need to pinky promise or cross your heart and hope to die and stick a needle in your eye or even shake on it. Your your word as a follower of Christ should be enough. Your yes should be yes and your no should be no. We even have some examples of oaths or swearing by God in the New Testament after Jesus gave this sermon. In Romans 9.1, The Apostle Paul says this, he says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. So to show the seriousness of his statement, he brings the name of Christ into his statement. And then he says, my conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. Here he's using the name of Christ and the Holy Spirit to show the seriousness of the statement he's making. This is swearing by God. 
in Matthew 26, you don't have to flip over there, but if you want to write it down to look at later. In Matthew 26, when Jesus is, is meeting before the high priest in the council after he's been betrayed and arrested, he actually answers under oath. Starting in verse 62, the high priest Caiaphas, it says, and the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Amen. I love the words of Jesus. So powerful. So this word adjure, Caiaphas says, I adjure you by the living God. It can also be translated to, I charge you under oath. In the King James and New King James, we see that wording by Caiaphas. He charges Jesus under oath by the living God. And Jesus responds under oath. Jesus doesn't say, hey, wait a minute, Caiaphas, don't you remember what I said on the Sermon of the Mount? You're, you're going against what I'm saying. No, because Caiaphas was properly using the law at that point. And so I believe that Jesus isn't saying all oaths are off the table what he's saying is the way that you are using the law and the way that you are teaching the law is perverse. You're abusing it in a way that's opening yourself up to be deceitful, to not fulfill your word. But as a follower of Christ, that is not how our motives should be. He's saying this, this flippant, everyday, casual usage of your oaths needs to be done away with. And so for the Christian, those who are in Christ, those who desire to be followers of Christ, we need to be honest. We need to do what we say. We need to be people whose word means something and not be known as someone who is always going back on our word. We need to be truthful and have no deceit in us. Now, those of us who have been alive for more than five minutes, we know that that's very difficult to do. We're natural born liars. Uh, I have a two-year-old son as of today, Davey. And uh, yeah, happy birthday, Davey. I'll say that so when he's watching this, you know, 10 years from now online, he'll, he'll remember that I recognized him on his birthday. But he's already lying. And he's two. Well, today he's two. You know, he... For some reason, he doesn't like to uh, have his diaper changed right away when he's, you know, done baby stuff in a diaper. So I think he'll get caught up where he's playing in his toys, with his toys, and he'll, you know, use the restroom. And it's obvious to everybody in the house that <laughs> there's something going on in that diaper. And so I'll say, hey, Davey, did you, you know... Use the restroom. No. Because he, he wants to keep playing and he knows if I have to remove him from his toys and go and change him and then... I didn't teach him that. You know, we're not sitting around the table at dinner time teaching our kids 
okay, this is how you lie, and it's, it's good to lie. It comes natural. No, we have to teach our children the truth and how to tell the truth because there's an inclination in our fallen nature to naturally be deceitful. And so we, we have to guard against this as followers of Christ now who have now been indwelled with the Holy Spirit. We've been regenerated. We no longer live like the world. We should endeavor to be people who keep our word. Jesus says of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, he, he calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. And so those of us who now have the Spirit of God living inside of us, deceit and broken promises should not be part of our everyday life. And we've all experienced being on the other side of a broken promise. Maybe by someone you, you truly love and trust. They've made a promise to you that they've broken. It can be really hard to gain that trust back once they have blatantly broken it. And so as followers of Christ, as his disciples, we should be the most trustworthy people on the earth because we are modeling our Savior. Jesus says of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so as disciples of Jesus who want to follow him, live like him, walk like him, we should be truthful ourselves. If we say we're going to do something, we should follow through and do it. And parents, let me just take a few minutes and address us this morning. This is very important for us. Our word is very important to our children. Because what we're doing as we disciple our children, we, we endeavor to give them an example of our Heavenly Father. And so if we're constantly going back on our word, if we're constantly making false promises to them, if we're constantly saying we're going to do something, but then we don't do it, how are they going to trust us when we're trying to teach them about the characteristics of God if we're not displaying that in our own lives? And this is something that I think we can get very casual with. Oh yeah, I, I promise my son, I would do that, but he hasn't even brought it up or he's forgotten about it, so if he doesn't bring it up, I'm just not going to bring it up either because I really don't want to go to the park this afternoon. And we can overlook it and just move on, but really that is sinful and that is going against what God is, what Jesus is commanding us here. So over the last few weeks as I've been meditating on this passage, I've been very aware of how I'm using my yeses and my noes with my children. And I've also been aware when I have gone against my word. For example, uh, this past Tuesday on, on the 4th of July, we went swimming. And my youngest daughter, Twyla, she's five. She hasn't learned how to, to swim yet, and so she still has floaties. And she came up to me in the pool and said, Dad, can, we, can you take me into the deep end to swim? Because I've told her, even with her floaties on, I don't want her swimming in the deep end without me or Carrie with her. And I said, not right now, but I can go later once I'm not having to watch Davy." And so what happened was the, the time went, came and went. We left the pool, and I realized I never took her into 
the deep end. I was stuck watching Davy, not stuck, but I was having to watch Davy. <laughs> and she didn't bring it up, thankfully, which is surprising. Usually when you tell your kids you're going to do something, they're very quick to remind you, Dad, you promised, you said we would do this. But she didn't, but thankfully, I think, studying this, I was very convicted about that. And so I think also part of your yes being yes and your no being no, when you don't follow through with that, it's going back and making that right with the person you broke that promise to. Letting them know you recognize that you sinned and you're sorry for that. And so the following day, I said, Twyla, I, I promised you we'd go swimming in the deep end. We didn't do it. I'm sorry. She looked at me like, how do you, what, how do you even remember what was going on? But still, it's, it's an opportunity for us to show we are endeavoring to be like Christ. We went back on our word. Jesus never lies. God never fails. He doesn't go back on our, his word. I'm sorry that I have fallen short in that area. And so parents, let's be aware of the promises we are making to our kids. And when we don't fulfill that, let's repent and go before them and let them know that we have fallen short. And I think in doing that, it's an opportunity to let them know that we aren't perfect, we make mistakes, but we serve a God who is perfect and who is forgiving and who is always honest. And the good news is, God keeps His word. God has never broken a promise. Proverbs 35, 30, verse 5, it says, every word of God proves true. Every word. God is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. And unlike our words, where it's dependent on other things, I made that promise to Twyla, but really it was dependent on if circumstances around me worked out. God's promises aren't dependent on anything else other than Himself. And He is 100% faithful all the time. And so His Word will always be true. When He made a promise to Abraham that His descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, He's not sweating that promise that He made. He's not waiting to see, okay... This family, they've had this many kids and they're following me. Okay, I think we're getting close to the stars in the sky. No, when he makes a promise, he makes it on himself knowing that he will keep his word. In, G in um, John chapter 17, in the high priestly prayer, Jesus prays this to the Father. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And so this is why, as followers of Christ, we do our best to keep our word. It isn't just a moralistic thing that we would be known as people of good character. We would be known as people that trust us and dependable just so we have a, a good reputation. That's not our drive. That's not our motivation be be behind wanting to be truthful with our word. Our motivation is Christ and his character, and he is truthful. He keeps his word. So as followers of him, we want our lives to model our Savior. And so we endeavor to be people who are dependable, be people who mean what they say, people who keep their word, people who emulate the character of Christ in 
our lives. And so God is faithful. God never lies. And so we can trust God's words. There may be people in your life that you just know, I cannot believe a promise that they make. They have burned me one too many times. You can trust the promises of God. And this is extremely good news for all of us that are in here today. Because God's word promises us that Jesus is the Son of God. God's word promises us that Jesus died for sinners. God's word says that Jesus took our punishment on the cross. God's word says that after Jesus died, he didn't stay dead. God's word says that Jesus resurrected and he ascended and he is currently seated at the right hand of the Father, making his enemies his footstool. These are the promises of the word of God that we can trust as true because God's word is true and God never lies. God's word also says that anyone, anyone who believes in Christ Jesus will be saved. If you believe in Christ, you can trust his character. You can trust the word of God that you will be saved. And so these are promises from his word that we as Christians trust in because God does not lie. And so as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, my charge to us today is let's resolve to be people who keep our word. Let's be people who we don't, we don't need to put any qualifiers out there on our promises. That we endeavor to mean what we say. That our yeses truly are yeses and that our noes are our noes. And maybe you're in here today and you know that you are not that person. You know that you've made promises that you had no intention of keeping. You know that you've burned people one too many times. Let's be obedient to the word. Let's endeavor to make our yeses yeses and our noes noes. But also, let's repent before the Lord today. Let's realize what we have done is in fact sin. It's not just a broken promise. No, it's a lie and it is sinful. And let's take that before God and ask him to help us keep our word. Let's ask him to continue to fill us with his spirit of truth. That we can be people of truth. That we can be people that are known for our dependableness. Is that a word, dependableness? If not, it sounds okay. People that, that trust us. You know, we've got some youth in here today. When our parents ask us to do something, let's not force them to say, you promise you're going to do that? You, you told me you're going to do that. Do you promise you're going to take out the trash? No, if we say we're going to do something, teenagers... Let's be faithful to keep our word. Let's not wait till we've finished our game of Call of Duty and then we forget about what we've said. I've been there. That's happened to me before. 
Let's keep our word. Let's act on our word. Let's be people who are trustworthy because ultimately what that does is it points people to the God that we serve. People say, wow, that, that guy, he, he, when he says he's going to be there at a certain time, he's always there at that time. That's really strange. Imagine people showing up when they say they're going to be there. Well, I do that because I love Christ and I want to be like Christ and Christ has never broken a promise and so I endeavor to keep my word. Because Jesus is the truth, but the other side of that is there's someone else who is deceitful, whose very nature is to lie, and that is Satan. And so as followers of Christ, we should desire for our character to emulate Christ and not the enemy of Christ, Satan. Because when we make broken promises, when we make promises that we have no intention of keeping, we're modeling Satan, who since the very beginning, that's what he's been doing, making false promises that he has no intention of keeping. You know, he told Eve, if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. That's a false promise. So let's endeavor as followers of Christ to be truthful with every word that we say. And then, you know, circumstances come up. There's going to be times we make a promise. There's going to be times where we say we're going to do something. Situations come up that we're unable to do that. Let's make it right by that person. Let's let them know and not just say, oh, sorry, you know how things are. You know, let's be sincere with them and make it right. So maybe you're in here today and you're not in Christ. You're not a follower of Christ. For you, what we're talking about today is going to be extremely difficult to do in your own power. Because truth comes from God. God is Truth, And so if you remove God from the equation, you're going to be stuck in your own self, stuck, bought into the lies of the enemy and speaking lies of the enemy and speaking deceit. But here's a promise for you. If, if you're not in Christ, let me encourage you with 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if anyone, anyone, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. So maybe you're in here today and you've just made a wreck of your life with the lies that you've told, with the deceit that's been in your heart. Turn to Christ. Look to Him. He will forgive you of that sin and He will make you a new creation. This is the promise of Scripture. This is the promise of the one who never lies. In Romans 10, Paul says this, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So maybe you have a history of unfaithfulness. Maybe you've made a wreck of your life, of the the lies you've told and the broken promises that you've made. Look to Christ today. Call on the name of the Lord. Turn from that sin. Repent of that sin. Lay it at the cross of Christ. Trust in His death, in His resurrection, that His 
death was enough to atone from your, for your sins and look to him and you will receive forgiveness of your sin. You will receive newness of life. You will be given the Holy Spirit of truth which will allow you to be honest and to be people who keep our word. Amen.